Hello everyone, I'm Stefan Dyer and I'm recording my first English comedy special on February 24, live recorded from Toronto. Tickets at stefandyer.com. Welcome to the Stefan Dyer Podcast, my people. Hello, my people! ¿Cómo están, damas y caballeros? Welcome to the Stephen Dyer Podcast, where I welcome people with remarkable stories for amazingly vulnerable conversations, fun conversations. I'm super happy because today I have the unbreakable, the unmistakable, the highly capable, the invincible, <laughs> big... Big Mo Ismael. Mo is an Egyptian-Canadian stand-up comedian. He immigrated to Canada when he was seven years old. He's been a center stage comedian for the past 13 years, building nationwide recognition as a touring headliner across Canada. Some of his more significant acts include opening for numerous big names, such as Colin Mockery, Todd Berry, Roy Wood Jr., and being featured on Just for Laughs. Sirius XM and CBC, my friends. And now, get ready, Big Mo! Boom, boom, boom! That was a big introduction, man. I like that. How are you, brother? Good? Good, man. It's all downhill from here. I don't know what's going to happen for me. Did I mess up Colin Mockery's last No, no, it was perfect. Colin Mockery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah. He's a legend. So I met. Big Mo at Just for Laughs 2023 in Toronto. I was, uh, that was my first festival. I was opening for Ariel Elias. And Big Mo was at New Faces. He had already been at Just for Laughs before the year uh, previous to that. Loved, loved Mo. Loved Ferris, who was on the podcast. Actually, loved everybody. Hey, shout out Ferris. Yeah, shout out Ferris. And I, <laughs> I actually met uh, Mo outside of the venue. And we were talking, and I'm like, this guy is so fucking nice. I have to invite him on the pod. I, I knew you were a great comedian already. Appreciate you, man. And the first question I wanted to ask you, which I asked you that day. I don't know if you remember. Mm. But you did uh, a reel. You were interviewed on Just for Laughs the, on the Instagram. Yeah. And you were talking about being the smoke comedian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go yeah. back to the beginning. When did you start stand-up? Nah. And what is the smoke comedian? So I was I started in 2010. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I was working at a bank at the time. Same. Yeah, man. So what bank? It was uh, CIBC. So I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but yeah, we I mean, I don't know what are they what are they gonna do? You know what I mean? <laughs> this guy's they're telling gonna, jokes. They're not gonna sponsor this. They don't sponsor it anyway, right? <laughs> Cut off my credit card. Yeah, I hope. Um, <laughs> no, they. Um, yeah, so I was working. I, was, I used to take calls in their call center for for credit cards, CIBC Visa. And then uh, I sat next to my homie Jerome at the time, yeah. and this guy would be like. Yo, man, like, we would always chop it up between calls. Yeah. So we'd get a guy with, like, a weird name. Like, yo, 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 look at this guy. Look at this guy. And we would just both laugh and stuff. So then one day he's like, yo, man, you should be a comic. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, I don't know. At the time, I, I was like, my ego was too big or something. I was like, yo, I'm not a clown. He's like, <laughs> he's like no, 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 it's nothing like that. He's like, it's not like I've tried it. I've done a couple of mics, and it's really sick. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll go watch. So then I went, and I started watching all these shows, and then... 
eventually, you know, I saw a couple of comics bomb, and I was like, I, I could do better than that, you know? <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, man, so that's when I started, and uh, the rest is history, man. Where was your first open mic? It was at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. Oh, West yeah, Street yeah. for the Kill. Yeah, yeah, it was just like their open the, mic the night. Pro-Am night, yeah. Pro-Am night, yeah, yeah. I that too. So yeah, that was... Uh, that was fun, man. I didn't anticipate that it would be like my career after that. I just kind of wanted to do it just to try it out, and I loved it. And then, you know, the next show I did was like an open mic in a basement at some bar. And then I just bombed, <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about those first two years, because I always say that my first two years were horrible. Like, yeah. you just have, like... A bunch of bad... First of all, you only get invited to bad shows at the beginning because mm. no, nobody really knows you. So you haven't done the networking. Not a lot of people have seen you. I didn't even know what a premise was or a punch was. I just thought it was talking about things that I thought were funny. But it t sometimes it works. But if it has no structure and you have like so much buildup for a mediocre punch, it's not going to work out anyways. So... My first two years were like humiliating. Yeah, and I was like, and I, I was oh, performing yeah. with my with my business partner Juan. We started at the same time, and he's like an amazing storyteller. He was getting a bunch of laughs, and and then our friends would come watch, and then they'd be like, to me, they'd be like, "It's so cool that you're doing what you like." <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck!" That's like the biggest humiliation. I was still at the bank, and yeah, yeah, you gotta go back to work the next day. You're like, "What am I doing, man?" But you like even one laugh, it's like enough of a hook to get you going back. Oh yeah, you know? dude, it's like it's like drugs. <laughs> you're yeah. you're just in. Yeah, the first two years were like rough, man, because I think I was lucky enough that I networked, like not even networked. I met a bunch of great comedians yeah. right off the top. So like my first second show, I was already in the circles. I already made a bunch of friends, but my skills weren't on their level. These guys were a few years in, like ahead of me. Yeah. So I would do shows with them and they would kill and I would just bomb. <laughs> I was and I was doing like it was like six shows, man. Like they would put me on like shows for at like colleges and universities and you know, yeah. Two, three hundred people and I'm like again, my ego's getting inflated. I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna kill it. <laughs> and then I just go up. Bro, I would walk people. I would be like I'd be like telling jokes and you'd see groups of people walk like get up and just walk out. <laughs> and it's like until I finished and then they would come back in and sit down. Oh, like it was just atrocious cuz yeah, I think up until that point my my reference to like what's funny was like I don't know, like Eddie Murphy like in like Delirious or something, yeah. you know? So it's like all I'm doing is telling, like, you know, sex jokes and, like, inappropriate jokes and stuff. So then, yeah, eventually you start to learn that you're like, oh, it doesn't actually, like, have to be shocking. Like, it could just yeah. be funny. Yeah. Excuse me. So, like, I, I was just like, okay, maybe I could just talk about my life. Maybe I could just talk about, like, who I am as a person instead of, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, sex this and sex that and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why, why am I like this? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the walking people on and then come back, that's like the smoke comedian, too. It's well, like that was, that was, yeah, that was one, because, dude, I, would, I was bombing a lot. I was bombing so much. The first few years, not just the first two, it was like, it took, like, probably, like, because, you know, when you start off, you're not doing it all the time. Yeah. You're doing, like, a show every two months. That is exactly you know? my job. Yeah, and then you're, like, every time you show up, you're putting on your best shirt. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. Like, yeah, that's right, I'm a comedian. Posting every single time. <laughs> yeah. Inviting everybody. Every month, my whole neighborhood's coming out. <laughs> my mom, my brother, they're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, so, 
yeah, no, it was, um, it was rough, man. It was rough. But then, you know, eventually you start to really find your footing and like, and, and talk about something that's actually meaningful to you and deeper than just like, you know, stupid fart jokes or whatever. And yeah, it just goes up from there. When did it start clicking? Because for me, I remember exactly the show yeah. where I felt like it was a 180. So I started, did my first open mic September 2014. And then it was like once it was in Spanish. Uh, you you did you ever you did shows at 120 right or 120 Church? oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah 120 yeah, yeah. diner I yeah 120 diner so yeah. it was there in Spanish <laughs> there was like an open Spanish open mic type of thing but it wasn't comedy it was like music poetry and and our friend Diego who has a big Latin party and he was organizing that there he uh, he's like dude just come and do comedy you and Huang so we did it for whatever reason the both of us went up on stage together nice <laughs> we have still that pictures and it was like theatrical i don't know it was very weird but we were doing shows every mat like one or two months but again i was talking about stuff that i thought was funny and was not connecting with the audience for two years sucked big yeah, time of course and then i was like well why don't i take I don't know if it was like a business approach to it, but like I always, I'm all about the books, you know? So I'm like, let's buy a book. Yeah. There has to be a book about yeah, yeah. stand-up. So obviously Judy Carter came up and then I read that book and then heard about the Second City workshops, the stand-up comedy workshops. So I took level one and then I was like, oh, this is a premise. <laughs> this is like, it's not just like whatever. There's a structure to it, a topic, a feeling, be specific and get like at least three or four sentences said like maximum before a punch yeah just like getting the numbers because i, I studied finance so i can I, I like to see the numbers and then i was like oh wow this build up for a punch <laughs> is like you can't be talking for six minutes yeah for, for one punch, one punch. <laughs> and then you're like huh? <laughs> and nobody's like, laughing no. you're like oh i have to climb another mountain now <laughs> august 20 yeah. 2016 we went to do a show in london ontario oh nice and that's when it clicked oh damn in, in london but in spanish in london was there a big crowd it was like yeah it was probably like 100 that's nice yeah so that's where it clicked because i started to read and took a workshop obviously the best teacher is on stage hmm. but i like to compliment you got like i started seeing my videos and started seeing where i got the punches started printing the, the thing and seeing how i could like optimize it now it becomes a little bit more natural because you yeah. can feel it hear it see it and when you're when i edit my reels i can optimize a little bit but when did it click for you man i don't even know i think probably for the first like it was pretty gradual like i think I want to say maybe like at least because I was again I was part I had to say like part-time comedian for the first like four or five years and then eventually like throughout that time you're getting slightly funnier like you're going yeah. from bombing every night to then like you said you get one laugh okay and then all of a sudden that laugh becomes two and you're like oh my god okay so if I hit these two punchlines I get two laughs sick and then three and then so it started growing but I think my like Oh, man, it, it had to have been maybe around like the six year mark, like five, six years. Yeah. But then I really felt a massive shift once I hit 10 years. Something happened at my 10 year mark where it's like, 
it all of a sudden it felt like there was a different perspective like i wasn't looking for like an audience approval anymore yeah it became it became so much deeper because before i was really like pandering like like which sometimes you should do but it's like i was like oh like do you, do you like it like <laughs> tell me what you think is funny so i can talk about it and it was very like cheap yeah almost but then i hit 10 years and i was like no 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 like it's about me and my voice and my experience. Yeah, 100%. Of course, it's got to be relatable. But first and foremost, you have to be authentic to you. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, as long as I'm being honest with myself, and as long as, honestly, now it's like my rule is, as long as I think I'm funny, <laughs> I was like, the, any, anyone else could like figure it out. Like, yeah. you come, it's almost like, like, you know, when you like, like a girl, and then you're like, you, you're like, when you're young, you go, hey, like, yeah, I'll come to you. Like, what do you want? I'll, I'll buy you flowers. I'll, I'll, I'll do what you want. And then eventually you get to a point in your life, you go, no, no. If she likes me, she will also take a few steps closer. Yeah. So that's how I kind of treat an audience where I go, okay, if you, if you like me, you got to come a little closer to me. But I'm not going to do all the running here. Like, it's almost like this dance where you have to bounce it out. I'll take a step to you, but I want to see you come. If I take a step to you and you keep pulling back, well, I'm not gonna keep taking steps. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out here. I'm gonna dance alone. <laughs> Join the party, or you can sit there with your arms crossed, all mad at me, you know. So. All right. So it seems like it started to click at year ten. Year ten was a big shift. And w did you start? Was it only the escape competition through authenticity part where you will start to understand? It's like a dance between you and the audience. You, you'll start to understand what they love about Mo, but also you start to understand what you do best and it becomes like a dance but you have to be willing to be yourself because nobody can be better at being mo than mo but yeah. it's it's um that's right it takes courage and it takes time and it takes dedication to find out what yeah. that best version of mo is yeah so sometimes you know like you you'll write on stage like you'll go on a, on a rant a little bit at lib and sometimes I'm like, I'm going to ride this wave yeah. because I know something's going to come out. And sometimes like new bits, like I think half of my special will come out for me ranting. Just like crowd work or something. Crowd work, ranting, observations. And then the other half has been like writing it and it, it has evolved. Mm -hmm. Did you take any courses or books or was it feedback or was it video? Anything Dude. else that helped you click on year 10? No, man. I wish I did, honestly. I really wish I took a course i wish i listened to a podcast read a book like i don't really like reading <laughs> even though i'm a teacher <laughs> i'm like you guys should read they're like do you read i'm like of course <laughs> no like i wish i did because i think it would have sped up the process but i've always been like a learn the hard way kind of guy yeah so it's like it's just legit through failure that i was like like you said it it was like what do they like about me and then just kind of, and I think also by year 10, you have really found your voice. Yeah. Like what really matters to you? Because before that, I think you're just focused on like what's funny, right? And like, okay, yeah, I, I know I was on the bus and then somebody farted and we didn't know who. And it's like anyone can tell that story. But why is it relevant to you? 100%. You know, so, so I think it was just narrowing that down. And then once you find your voice, then you could just talk about legitimately anything, anything you want. Like. I, and this is, I guess, a side note, I don't necessarily believe in, like, uh, like censorship. I don't believe in that, like, there are some things that are off limit. I think there's something funny about everything. Yeah. As long as it's, like, funny. 
That's just the rule. Make it funny. Look, man, you want to talk about my race? You want to talk about talk about my people? You want to talk about... Sure, fine, right? As long as you can make me laugh. If it's just straight up like racist, yeah. and like you're just like, I hate your kind, and you're like, all right. That, that sounds like you, you have some problems you got to deal with, you know? But um, I don't... I don't and I, you know, I don't really believe in any sort of like, hey, you can talk about everything except <laughs> that. And you're like, what? What makes this thing so much more superior? Like any topic, dude. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I heard your bit, which is probably m my favorite bit of yours about mm -hmm. therapy. Oh, yeah. Where uh, <laughs> I don't want to butcher it or anything. No, but, no. But the observation is, which is golden, is like, you you feel depressed, you're feeling bad, so you so you, you you call the therapist, and the therapist is like, okay, how much is for the session? And they're like, three hundred and fifty dollars, and you're like, I think I feel better already. <laughs> yeah, not even that sad, man. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When these little moments happen, do you have a little notebook, or or is it a mental note, and you're gonna try it out that night? How do these bits evolve? Do you write? every single day or is it like me where stuff will happen and then you'll write him or yeah. address him or bring him up on stage yeah i'll do that i i don't I, I wish i wrote every day but it's honestly like it's usually through conversation like a, you know i'll be hanging out with a friend or something and then i'll say something and then my friend will laugh and i'm like oh my god i forgot about that story like the therapy thing was like that where i was like talking to a buddy and i'm like man this guy's charging me 350 and then i was like all of a sudden i didn't even feel that sad and <laughs> And he was starting to laugh, and I'm like, oh, man. So I p picked up my phone, put it in the notes. I'm like, we got a new joke. Let's work it out. So, And then from there, you start adding, like, the punchlines. You're like, what else can I say? Oh, like, you know, oh, okay, I'm, I'm already starting to feel better. Oh, like, what what costs 350 What You know what I mean? So, like, it's really just through conversation. Sometimes I'll be on a walk, and I'll remember something that took place. And, like, so it really is, like, I don't – if I sit down – word for word try to write jokes it's just like not funny like i just don't feel my style of humor i think is more so like i like talking to people like i'm talking to my friend yeah. you know what i mean like that's that's how i that's how i connect I and go. it feels like that on stage yeah with you. thanks it's, man i feel like the new faces 100 percent. and maybe that's what 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 just for laughs looks for in new faces but i think that everybody up on that stage doesn't give a fuck about what anybody else is doing not the new fit or but like in general yeah. they're just being themselves yeah and they got that voice and regardless of whatever is happening nobody could tell that set like you tell it yeah because you're just bringing a hundred percent of yourself on stage of course and you got that laugh and you got that smile and and like it's like dude i want to be his friend yeah you know? like, you're just, like you're talking to a friend yeah was that your delivery in the beginning or it has no, evolved? No, I think in the beginning it was just, it was like just delivery. Like it was just like, like presentation. Like, yeah, it was like, I'm, I'm throwing my jokes at you. And, and like, I guess it's still similar now, but I'm not like, I'm not so focused on like presenting the joke yeah. instead of just like telling them, like I'm telling somebody at like, like my buddy and I at a coffee shop and my buddy, okay, so I called up this girl, right? And then it's like, I tell them, I tell, I like telling stories like that. Yeah, me too. Where it's like, instead of just being like, anyways, how was that? Like, like very like, I don't know. Frustrated, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily like, and again, some people do that and that's their style and they're really funny. But it's just, it, well. it just doesn't work for me. I think it's just more comfortable to be like, okay, 
if everybody here was my friend, how would I tell them this story? Oh. You know? And then when you do it like that, it really has like uh, almost, it made, it takes a big space and makes, makes it feel smaller. So instead of a show that has 500 people, now it just feels like I'm talking to two or three people, you know? And uh, I think my struggle, I guess not really a struggle, but kind of a struggle with that is that like you then, the bigger the shows get, the more you have to worry about pacing. So like, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing small rooms, your punchlines can be quick. You yeah. know, you, you, you don't necessarily, you wait a little bit, they laugh and then boom, another punchline. Whereas big rooms, yeah. you know, like just for laughs this past summer was like, uh, I think the, the new faces show we did in Montreal was like almost 900 people. So it was like packed show, packed balcony. And, and every time you told a joke, the joke is funny, but you got to wait. Yeah, because like, oh. Yeah. Oh. And then it and just it comes, comes back, back and it's yeah. like a big wave and you're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I got to wait this out. But so. It's a different timing. It's a, I did. I don't know if you know the Brazilian guy Rafi in, in New York. Rafi, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rafi, oh, he's going to Vancouver too. Oh, is he? Nice. Yeah. And um, and he I opened for him here in, in November. Mm. And it was uh, 900 too. At, oh my By gosh. Union Station at the St. Lawrence. And it... And I was love it. it was me and Ali opening that day. Nice. And I was like, but but you're just used to like, maybe, I was used to like maybe 94 at Comedy Bar yeah, or 50 small. smaller. But the timing is like, you're like, ah! and, and it's like, you want to continue, but it hasn't ended. Yeah, hold it, hold it, yeah. sit in it for a little bit. Like, and that's like, that's so hard, man. Because as a comedian, like that's one of the biggest lessons I learned is like, be comfortable with silence. Yeah. Don't feel like you have to fill in every empty space with more talk. Just like hold back, let it simmer. Because sometimes that weight makes something 10 times funnier. Yeah. Just like holding off on it and just being like, ah, like I, I want to, but I'm like, no, 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 let him laugh. Let him laugh, you know? Yeah, 100%. What did you learn from Just for Laughs mm. Montreal with the, and Toronto with the new faces? What did you learn from the experience the pre- pre- preparation for the shows and most importantly what did you learn from the the other new phases and other acts that you saw man that's a good question um i'll tell you what ferris said yeah tell me tell me what he ferris said he said uh he's like yo you uh i learned that you don't need to scream at the mic yo <laughs> <laughs> the mic works <laughs> That's funny. That's amazing. a funny answer. That sounds like Ferris too. <laughs> yeah, because he's just kind of like chill vibe. So chill. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, what did I learn, man? I think. But he also said that he loved everybody's delivery and styles, and he straight up copied like little things of people's, like how they carry themselves or how they prepare or how they will have stage presence. Obviously, not jokes, but like, just being. Uh, surrounded by a lot of talent and opening for Neil Brennan and all that stuff. Yeah. Like you get, and, and Dulce Sloan, mm-hmm. you get to see, and he said like, these people are like 1000 unap- like percent unapologetically themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a big thing too, right? Like if you're, if you're like, again, it goes back to like pandering to the crowd where you go, I said this joke, do you, do you like it? Yeah. Do you like it? No. Uh, okay. I'll change. Like, Think about meeting someone like that. You're like, man, this person's insecure. Like, I don't want to be friends with this person. But if you're just like, this is my opinion, like it or not, whatever. We can still be friends, but it's still my opinion. But yeah, what did I learn? I mean, honestly, I learned to just kind of like enjoy the moment. 
because it comes and goes quick. Yeah. Like, again, I've been at this, uh, this March is going to be 14 years of doing stand-up. And like, you know, every big success that I've had so far has just come and gone. Yeah. So you get a massive show, you open up for a big comic, you do a massive theater. And then before you know it, you're back in your house, laying in the same bed, nothing's changed. Maybe a couple extra bucks in the bank account, but nothing life-changing. You still got to take out the garbage. You still got to take out the garbage. <laughs> You're like, you know, or I got to go back to school the next day and teach these kids. And then they're like treating you like shit. And then... <laughs> You're like, you guys don't know what you happened yesterday. Yeah. You know who I was hanging out with last night? <laughs> like, but they don't, it's just, it, it really is like enjoying the moment. And I think sometimes you stress because you love comedy. Yeah. You love your craft. So when big opportunities come up, you want to like hit it out the park. You want to crush it. But then, you know, if you're too busy stressing on like, and it's easier said than done because I still stress. I think everybody yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I just go, you know what, man? Like, what is the point of stressing so much if it's just going to come and go? Like, like I had a good friend of mine, um, really funny comic, DJ Damaris. He's, like, a hilarious comedian. He's, I think he lives out in L.A. now. He actually has a, a show on CBC right now called One More Time, and it's got a bunch of great Canadian comics. So, shout out that show. Um even though I auditioned and nobody chose me, but no, I'm <laughs> just calling them out. Yo, CBC, what's up? Um, no, but it was, uh, he, he's he's a very funny comic. The reason why I mention him is he's done uh, Conan O'Brien a few times. And I was like, man, how was Conan O'Brien? Like, how was it being on Conan yeah. on national television? And he's like, honestly, man, it all happened so fast. He's like, I went, I took my mom with me. I think he took a limo or whatever. They took him there, went into the green room. Doesn't mean Conan at all, you know, and then he's in the green room and then somebody from the, one of the producers comes from the back. All right, you ready? You're on in 10, you're on in five minutes, whatever goes, waiting behind the curtain. Keep it going, you know, put your hands together for so-and-so. He comes out, tells his jokes for four or five minutes. Done, Conan comes, shakes his hand. He goes backstage and he's like, before you know it, you're back out in the parking lot. Yeah, man. And you're just looking at this building. You're like, what just happened? <laughs> like, yeah. like it just came and went. One of the biggest moments. And then you're done. And that's the scary thing about also like meeting your goals. That's scary. Like to me, it's like you work so hard for something. Like I've worked forever to get to Just For Last. And then I finally got it. And there was almost like this like feeling of like loneliness after yeah man 100 you're like i've been working for over a decade to get here and then i finally got it and i'm like what what do i do now <laughs> like dude ferris was saying that i posted that reel today about yeah the post comedy festival depression oh yeah man the, the loneliness and it's so intense and you're hanging out with these people and you almost like like for a second, you get used to that being your life, but it's not. It's not, man. It's not. No. And you'll travel, and it, and 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 you know this. Like we'll go and do shows across the country. You go to Montreal, you go to Vancouver, you go to all these places, and it looks glam. It or looks like, like so the, glam. The tour, bro. The tour. Social media. So yeah, but <laughs> but it's couches. <laughs> yeah. It's not sleeping. Yeah. It's going to bed late. Yeah. It throws off your routine at times. So I've been like, as you know, you can see the the studio here. I'm very, yeah. I, I want to be sure that 
I don't have these highs and like the highs are cool and everything. Of course. But the lows, the very low lows, I don't, I yeah. want to be like stable. I think Tony Robbins has a quote something like a life of achievement without fulfillment is a very sad life. Yeah. So I don't just want to be happy in these like like outlier moments. Of course. And, or like and then low, I want to make sure I have like doing the exercise. Yes. Not not having like these lows of like drinking. I, I stopped. I quit drinking like six months ago. Oh, congratulations! And my wife man. too, man. So good for you guys. So we've been we've been uh, feeling good, resting well. Yeah. And uh, that must know, have been hard, eh? To to just stop if you were like if you were like drinker. I wasn't drinking that much and we weren't drinking that much anyway. So we we're like let's try it for a month. Yeah. And I have a, a lot of big big things coming up that I that I that this is the thing like we care about these things so much of course that when they happen it's like what now yeah so you just gotta keep adding stuff and planning <laughs> so that it never ends but yeah you gotta enjoy that moment did you how do you mitigate how do you make sure that you don't have these low I think you can't avoid the 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 po the post comedy festival depression or lose yeah. that time but but you can still accommodate a few things. Ferris was saying he just makes sure that like when he's good, he cleans his room, the house, yeah. everything, <laughs> so he he doesn't feel horrible. Yeah. If he's hor like, not adding another thing of be on top of being sad. Of course. What What do you do when you when you experience those lows, man? I mean, like, <clears throat> yeah, I think obviously like the 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 common answer is to like set new goals. It wasn't so much like the post festival depression. It was just more so like the 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 post achievement yeah. depression like yeah. it, so the festival stuff was like fine cuz there was other things coming up and I and I know that you know as long as you're funny and you're killing it in your craft you're just like you know if you're a doctor and you're a good doctor your reward is to get more patients mm -hmm. you know if you're a singer and you're a great singer your reward is to keep making more albums so as a comedian, if you're funny, you you just keep do more shows now. Yeah, yeah. That's the reward. So I'm like, okay, I did this. There is more shows coming, but it's also like no matter how big or recognized you get, like you still like it. It, it somebody somewhere doesn't know you yeah. and doesn't care, <laughs> and it's like comedy's not their life, yeah. but it's my life. So then you tell them about it, and they just go, "Cool, man, great." That's like somebody coming up to me and be like, "Okay, dude." ping pong right i'm like a world <laughs> champion ping pong and you're like dude i don't know a single professional ping pong player <laughs> you know so i think it was just like okay so i'm done this festival what are the next plans what are the future plans am i gonna because then after the festival then you start to have meetings with production companies and and it's nice again it's flattering but then their expectation is like what are you doing next so hey congratulations you're really funny are you working on a tv show and, and i was like I mean, yeah, I mean, I have ideas, but I've been just working on stand-up. And that's the thing. It's like, whatever craft you choose to do, you can't just, like, pick one thing and keep... You have to have your hands in a couple of different things, whether it's writing, acting, maybe a podcast, maybe a... You know, it's not just performing stand-up. And the bigger you get, they just... The industry expects, expects more. And I think you have to do your part with yourself to just make sure you're always grounding yourself you're not like becoming overwhelmed because if it doesn't feel right to you like just follow your gut yeah like don't feel like you have to stretch yourself out too thin to please somebody because the industry is always going to want to suck the most out of you yeah and be like you know this is this would be <clears throat> hey this would be great you should do that do do this okay write this give me a script give me that da, 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 da. 
And then you're like, dude, I'm so stressed. Like, <laughs> I just finished it the... It stops being fun, at, like, sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, I always want it to be fun. Yeah. That's, like, my main rule, man. As long as I'm having fun, that's, that's first and foremost, before anything else. And um, I had this moment of realization right before the pandemic where I was, like, I was starting to hate comedy. I, like, I was like, dude, what... Every show, I was, like, angry. I was, like, <laughs> I was, man. Because I was, like, I was like, first of all, I'm, like, I'm not getting booked a ton. I'm, I'm, I'm not making a ton of money. This doesn't make sense. I, was, I think I was about to reach, like, about to reach 10 years or maybe, like, just after. I was, like, I don't get it, man. This sucks. I don't feel good. You know? There's no fun in this anymore. And then, and then I had to take a moment and, like, really reflect and be, like, okay, so why? Why am I doing stand-up if it's not fun? I should just quit. If something stops being fun, just quit, man. Yeah. Walk away. Life is short. Just go do your thing. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, wait. I'm doing it because I do love making people laugh. It's my favorite. I've done it my whole life. When I was the kid in the back of the class. I was, you know, with my homies. I was always the funny guy. Not, I wasn't even thinking about comedy at those points. I was just like, dude, I love joking. And I would fail classes because of it. <laughs> I was like, I was... <laughs> Dude, I was, it, like, being funny got me in so much trouble. Same, man. You know? And kicked then, out of the class. Kicked out of the class. You got to sit now in the front instead of the back. And you're like, oh, my, <laughs> my friends are back there. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Just feel like a loser, man. So, so then, yeah. So then I was like, okay. So let me go back to that. Let me stop thinking about business. Stop thinking about money. Stop thinking about the stress of, like, more, 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 more. And just have fun. Just go back and money will eventually come. Bookings will increase. And just be happy and do something that you love doing. And then the second I shifted that perspective, man, it all changed. It, it was almost like God. I don't know if people believe in God, but I, I, I'm a big God believer. And yeah. I, it was like God was listening and he was like, all right, man. So you're having fun. You're being positive. You're not being like, uh, you're not being like sour about anything. So just like, you know, here's more bookings. You're having fun. You're making yourself happy, you know? And then it all just kept going up from there, man. So I think it's inefficient to be miserable. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you're having a good time, you start to see, like, the positive and everything. And people people want that happening. People they feel see, it. They feel it. Yeah. They want to be a part of it. Yeah. And they want to have you on your show. Like, We've all been in these green rooms where the vibe is like negative. Yeah. And like ooh. sometimes you're like, what am I doing? Why did you even invite me? It's like, <laughs> why am I on this? Like, yeah. I remember one time, Comedy Bar, I love Comedy Bar. I oh, love Gary. Cool. I love everybody. I like, we're so. But I got invited to this show. I don't even know what show it was. I don't remember at this point, but there was a guy who was supposedly a legend in Canada, but not like a famous legend, like a. He's been around for 30 years and is funny. Yeah. But the guy was like 70 mm. and drunk. Oh, and God. he starts to like say, yeah, you fucking Mexicans. And I'm like, I'm not what? even Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And he's just like, dude, I don't know you. And and then I yeah. go up. But like, and then I had to go up and you're like, you feel pretend, you feel pretend like nothing just happened. And you got to smile. Like you got to. Yeah. But you, you got to be able to, to turn it on and off. Yes. And because the audience doesn't fucking care. They, they paid. Know. They want to see. And, the, and then and, uh, and and you should be give, give yourself permission to have a great time on stage, too, because yeah. the thing I love about stage the most is like I'm not on my phone. No. Time goes by super fast. Yeah. 
you can connect with people and it gives you permission to to to, to do other stuff that you can't like on a one on one on a coffee. You know, like your, yeah, your yeah. delivery changes. You can be a little goofy. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, man, on stage is like the best. Like it's like an extreme sport. Like you, a lot of people say they. Uh, I heard this in a podcast. Like they want peace of mind, but what they, but what they really want is peace from the mind. Yeah. Like they just don't yeah. want to be in their thoughts. Yeah. That's why a lot of people do extreme sports like snowboarding and fucking bungee jumping or whatever yeah. because you're not thinking like when you're, when you're snowboarding you're like oh, I should have sent that email like when you're doing <laughs> or surfing. Yeah, yeah. You're like oh I should have called my mom like you're yeah. in the moment. Same as stand up. Like, you're just skydiving. You're like did I turn my stove off? <laughs> <laughs> just midair yeah. and like that's why a lot of and, and a lot of people that's why they do drugs and, and alcohol because yeah. you're not thinking about that yeah. and I think that's what stand up is of course man these old and these old guys you know they get to that place because it's just years of thinking about money thinking about how and, and also being irrelevant like they stop being relevant yeah. and they don't upgrade their knowledge. They don't, they're not having fun anymore. Yeah. They're just thinking about the good old days when they got paid and then now they're not. So they're just uh, miserable. And you're like, dude, you're living a shitty lifestyle. Excuse me. You're drinking consistently. You're, you're, you know, smoking weed, doing whatever it is that you're doing. And that's fine. If you want to do those things, do do you yeah. but just understand that at some point in time you're gonna be like i've been on the road with guys like that 30 years in they're just like after every show you're doing a weekend in like some small town with them and it's like every show afterwards they're just getting black out they're slurring their words ah, it sucks. <laughs> and you're like man are you okay like why why are you bringing this kind of energy it doesn't have to, you just quit you're not doing anybody any favors. You're no longer a legend. Just because you've been doing something a long time, it doesn't make you a legend. Uh, you, that's the thing I like yeah. about stand-up. You got to go win the audience every night. 100%. Be funny, man. Be likable. Be funny. And also, like, I think a big piece that I also learned is being happy for, like, other comedians. Yeah, man. Cause, like, that's huge. Yeah. Because coming up, it was like, like I said, it's like I met a lot of great comedians right from the start. So within the first two, three years... All my friends are getting Just for Laughs. They're getting TV tapings. But I'm only two or three years in. Yeah, and those guys are like six, seven years in. And I'm like, and I'm like kind of getting bitter. And I'm like, why, why not me? I'm, I'm doing the same shows as them every night. How come I'm not getting it? And I was like, oh, wait. I'm not actually funny <laughs> on their level. Like, they're just way ahead. And then, so then you have to turn that bitterness around and go, you know what, man? I'm actually like... I'm happy Stefan got that festival. I am because he must feel so good. And as his friend, yeah. I like that I should feel, you know, when you watch the World Cup yeah. and like a team wins and it's not your country, but you still watch them lift the cup. And then it makes you a little happy because it, you go, man, that must feel so good. Imagine being the dude that gets to lift the World Cup. You go, that feeling must be awesome. So then you're happy for someone else. And then I, th I think the same thing about, like, festivals. I think the same thing about somebody getting casted in a movie, in a show, whatever. I go, man, that must feel so good. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, why not me? Yeah. Because if I don't get picked, what am I expecting? Am I expecting them to go on the set of the movie and be like, guys, can we just time out for a minute? I know I'm here, but I really think Mo should be here instead. Like, no one's going to do that. Yeah. So just be happy for people, man. Celebrate everybody's success because it feels good for them. And one day, 
it'll be yours and you're going to want people to be happy for you, you know? Yeah, and those same friends, if they know you're a good guy to work with, they're going to bring you along to other opportunities. Yeah. So, I like, we gotta, it's easier said than done, 100%. Of course. Especially man. when you start with the same people, same years, or same stages. Yeah. Uh, but, like, we gotta stop complaining yeah. for the results we didn't get and the work we did not put in exactly for those results that's a good and, point and maybe like dude maybe they wanted a, an egyptian guy for the role and then they gave it to you but i'm not like i can't speak it yes i, I don't look egyptian yeah or maybe when they need a latino guy or like a guy who's like has an identity crisis because he's lived in a bunch of these countries maybe they'll pick <laughs> me you know so <laughs> yeah that's the thing yeah sometimes opportunities are not yours and then you just know that it's just, you have to accept that it wasn't written for you. Like, it's not, it's just not your time. It's just, and trusting in time. Yeah. And, and trusting in like, everybody's going to have their moment. Everyone's going to have their time. I mean, yeah, some people might never have it, but you just, it goes back to what you're saying. You just have to do it because you love doing what it is. And you can do it for years on end and have fun with it, regardless of what you get or don't get. Because look, man producers of shows are just people yeah and they pick who they like so not every guy or every woman or every person's gonna like me and as a comic you have to accept that yeah when you're killing in front of a show or at a show you're not killing with a hundred percent of the people maybe 90 percent, but there's still that 10 percent that are sitting in the back like this guy sucks <laughs> you know and you're like yeah but 90 percent of this room still likes me so I'm not even going to focus on that. I'm just, and as you're following, you know, you're building a big following and congrats, by Thank the way, you, you know, it's like, as the, the amount of people that like you grows, the amount of people that don't like you also grows. 100%, you know? man. So you talk to anybody right now about, you know, Cat Williams or Kevin Hart or whatever, you go like, yeah, they got millions of people that love them, but there's also millions of people that can't stand them. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift changed the economy with her tour. Different cities. She went to different towns and changed their entire economy. She pumped money into it. These people were on their way out. And then she, she just came through town and just pumped a whole bunch of money into it. And But even though she's making a big change and a big difference and grossing all this money, there's still... How many people do you know that just can't stand Taylor? A bunch. Everybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody I know is like, dude, she sucks. But I'm like, does she? Because it seems like there's way more people that love her. Yeah. So just accept it, man. You and know? I really like what Neil says, Neil, Neil Benzel from JFL, that like, don't act and perform because you want to get JFL. Yeah. Do your own thing. Yeah. Get really good. In fact, have your own following. Be happy with what you have. Kill it. Yeah. And, and, and then... It's just a matter of time that JFL will come to you. Yeah. And and, and yeah. he gave the example. We, we we did coffee the other day, and he gave the example of, of Shay Durena. Shay Durena, yeah, yeah. Where he, he, he's a great comic. He's, he, he's been doing the, the shows for, for years here and everything. And then... And then he blew up on TikTok, and now and now he's on Just for Laughs. Oh yeah, they came running after him, man. Yeah. Well, because he's such a big name now. Again, staying authentic, staying true to you, like. Again, I always use the example of like trying to talk to a girl that you like, man. You you go running to her, she's gonna be like, ah, oh, this yeah. guy's kind of desperate. But then you just kind of stay true to you. You go, okay, I'm gonna do my thing. I'm gonna grow internally, do my do my homework. Like, like you 
what you said earlier is a perfect example. You know, you got important projects on the go. You know what? Maybe I should hold off on the drinking. Maybe just take care of yourself. Maybe just exercise a little bit. Maybe try to eat a salad here and there. Maybe meditate. Like taking care. This is your factory, yeah, man. Yeah, 100%. This is your factory. You ever go into a mechanic shop and it's like he's got parts on the on the ground and there's shelves of just junk. And you're like, you come into work into this every day? <laughs> this is your there's no, and then sometimes you walk into another mechanic shop and you're like, it's organized. He's got drawers, he's yeah. got this, and you go, oh yeah, this is a lot more pleasing and a lot more comfortable. And this guy's, ha and that's that's your body. A hundred percent. That's your body. You just make it a point to drink and smoke weed after every show, and yeah, bruh. and it's like eventually you're gonna become that mechanic with just mufflers everywhere, you know? <laughs> like when I quit my job in 2017. I, I was I was a senior manager at Scotiabank and hmm. and it was like a big deal in my family that I was quitting because you know like immigrant family and you're at a bank I was I was a senior manager in wealth management ma managing millionaires money and everything and Damn. and 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 my business partner Juan was also a senior manager in brand yeah. and marketing so we both quit and but like when I went to tell my family it was like a big deal because I was like, you know, the golden boy and like yeah. everybody's back home and they know Scotiabank because Scotiabank is in Latin America. Oh my God. Mi hijo Stefan in Scotia in Toronto. <laughs> and then, but like, my parents are fantastic. Like we're good That's and awesome. they're supportive. But but the, the big deal for me was, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this. What if I fail at comedy mm. and I got to go back like a Ooh. fucking loser? But then yeah. I realized like, Failure is not like the lack of success. It's like for, to me in the end, it was like not trying it out. Yeah, and I was gonna come back a better person, a better entrepreneur, a better business person, a better comedian just by doing this. Mm -hmm. So I saved up, bought myself a year, and then happily I never came back. Nice. But it was not because I was doing very well, because I was like depleting my savings. <laughs> and I just stuck through and stuck to my guns. Yeah. Now I'm good. But what I wanted to say is that I told myself. I want to take care of my mind and body and everything because I don't want to be doing this yeah. in for two or five years. I want to be doing this in 40 years too. Exactly. Like in, I want to be 80 yeah. and still be having fun with stand-up. Yeah. So I, I have to do long-term stuff for with my body. Like you got to deal with long-term people Yeah. Long and look at everything long-term because – if you're just doing trying to trying to get like the easy fix, like the easy show, like the easy, it's you're gonna peak too early. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I've been very big on trying to like steps. Make sure that my steps. I'm not gonna like I'm building the the foundation to this fucking building. Yeah. But I'm never gonna. This building is never gonna collapse because it's I'm building it slow. Yeah, you're pacing yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. I don't, I don't want to peak too early. Yeah. And the cool thing about getting better is that yeah, it's you're taking this experience and knowledge with you, so you're yeah. never gonna be worse than today. Yeah. Like I'm never gonna be less better. Yeah. Like, worse than at stand up than right now. Yeah. Unless I get like really complacent and not right or not like get out of my comfort zone. Well, you stop. You stop your cycle. It's yeah. gonna throw you off. But even even like in like the corporate workshops and shows that we do, mm -hmm. and I'm never gonna make less money than I'm making because I'm investing in myself. But at Scotia Bank, like I would do that stuff, and then it was like benefiting the bank. When you're like your own island, your own entrepreneur, yeah. your own artist, it's yeah. like you.
So I kind of like that driving the car, driving the boat, because if if it takes a while to adjust, but if you fail, it's on it's you. It's on you. It's on you. You got nobody to yeah. blame. Well, if you take also like you know when you have a job. You wake up every day and then you make you make it there for nine o'clock or eight o'clock or whenever you start. You lunchtime, twelve o'clock, you take your lunch. Everything's structured for you. Whereas if you're your own boss, you have to make that schedule. Because a lot of people go, Oh man, if I'm my own boss, I'm waking up whenever I want. And it's like, no, dude, if you want to be successful, you gotta maintain that same kind of rhythm, that same okay, I'm waking up at six or seven, getting my coffee, exercising, going into work. And getting into work is just me get sitting on this desk, writing some jokes, setting up some tours, like staying consistent. Noon, I'm going to have my lunch, you know, come back. And it's like keeping that same rhythm is more um, the, like the longevity of that is more consistent versus like, yeah, I'm my own boss, you know, I get to just kind of <laughs> got to sleep in. I'm not going to. And sometimes it's easy to slip into that, too, because you don't have to report to anybody. Like yeah. you said, when you fail. It's you, man. You you are in this position because you've set it up that way. It's not because anyone yeah. else forced you in it, you know? I remember, like, the first week. So when we quit, we, we went on a three-week tour to Miami, Costa Rica, and Colombia to do shows. Mm. And and I was like, it was, a, it was like a welcome to the NBA moment where I was, like, performing with bigger comedians and... My material was about being an. I didn't have like a lot of like universal mm. jokes. Yeah. So I was talking only about Canada, mm-hmm. but it doesn't land in oh, Costa Rica or Colombia. No. So it was like a like just Shaquille O'Neal dunking on you hard, <laughs> and I was like, "What did I do?" You know. But it was uh-huh. like, you you got to put yourself in these positions. And when I came back, it was like, I have my own time. I don't have to wake up to go to the bank. So my wife works at. At at the uh, at a toy company called Spin Master that does like Paw Patrol and all these things. Oh no! Nice. So she has a nine to five. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, gonna watch Netflix till one a.m., two a.m. Gonna wake up at ten. <laughs> but like then, like after like three days, she was like, "Dude, we can't do this. Like you're coming into the bed like at one a.m. You're waking me up. And then like yeah. it, this is not so." It, it would actually help me out because I adjust to her schedule. Yeah. And I kind of have a nine to five. And then with a son, with Liam, who's four now. Oh, yeah. I got to pick him up from daycare. Yeah, you can't be living life like that. Yeah, It's almost like you do more when you have less time. Because if yeah. you have, like, a lot of time to do a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. you're like, ah, I'll do it later. But if you you have to do it that time. Yeah. Because you you know you don't have any more time in the day. Yeah. You get, you, you it's almost like you become more productive. Yeah. No, I agree, man. And also just, like, understanding the ebbs and flows of the nature of this business. Yeah, good. I want to ask you, like, two more questions. Yeah, yeah, tell me. Uh, The first one is advice to people starting. I know it's cheesy, but... And we can't can't go... Like, we can't split test life, and we can't go back and change stuff. And and you wouldn't be here had you not, like, gone through everything that you... And and same as me. But Mm -hmm. um, do you have any advice... Or what would you do differently if you started your career all over again? Man. Advice for starting comics. That's a tough question. I mean, just don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't start. You think comedy's fun? Watch it. Don't do it. No. Um, Honestly, like, just, just enjoy it. Like, just have fun. Always keep fun at the forefront. And, 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 you know, like, I don't know, definitely take advice. 
don't don't think that you're like everybody starting out thinks they're a genius off the top. Yeah. Thinks they're like a prodigy. I thought that everybody thought, "Yo, dude, I'm going to be a legend." And you're like, there was only so many legends and for the most part most of us are not going to be legends. We're just going to be pretty good. We're going to have a decent career, but not legendary status, yeah, yeah. you know? So, not to like diminish anybody's like dreams, but like I guess just kind of like listen to the people that have been doing it for longer and have fun and and as quickly as possible try to f- just do your own homework and find out who you are. Stop focusing on like what's funny and like yeah, sure, a big part of it is finding what's funny, but just find out what matters to you and speak from that perspective. Don't just oh, hey man, this, you know, this person just shit their pants. Haha, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah. that's yeah, sure, that's kind of funny, but, like, why is it funny to you? How can you tie it to your per- personal experience? What's your journey? Like, do you have a job? Do you have a wife? Are you single? Are you are you old? Are you young? Are you fat? Are you skinny? Like, yeah. speak from your perspective and don't take yourself too serious. Yeah, the best comics, you give that same script to anybody else and they can't do it the same way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The reason why we love all the great comics, the, the Bill Burrs and the Chappelles, and all, is because... You make them say anything, and it sounds funny already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Chappelle, Dave Chappelle. Like, you're just like, <laughs> oh, he's funny. Or, you know, Bill Burr. Like, it's just yeah. something coming out. They just become a vessel, and then any sort of material you put into them is just going to come out funny. Absolutely. So, do you do anything specific before shows to prepare, mm-hmm. or do you bring up a, a cheat sheet up on stage or, or the phone to record on audio or maybe you record video? That's a good or idea. Or do, um, do you do anything that has helped you feel more at ease when you go up? You know, like, maybe like just a little breathing. Like just take big deep breaths, two, three big breaths before you go on. I uh, recently have been doing this thing and it's actually been helping me with bigger shows is imagine what it would look like once you walk on stage. They call your name. Yeah. You come on out, close your eyes, and just picture that for a moment. Picture the lights being so bright, you can't really see the audience. Picture, you know, what, you, like, just picture it. Just for a few seconds. And and that way, when they do call your name and you do come out, it's familiar. You, are, there. you already saw it in your head. You knew exactly what this was going to look like. The like, visualization, I love it. Yeah, too. yeah. I love doing that as well, and I arrive <laughs> early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I can, if nobody's there, I can walk before. Oh, nice. And I can see, like, how things feel and everything. Yeah. Because you don't want, like, a minor thing to throw you off at the beginning, and then like, that could have, like, a domino effect. But, I mean, I always do the visual- visualization, and then I, I always try to arrive early to see who's there, yeah. who's coming, what type of audience. Is it all Latinos? Is it Indians? Is it is it all white people? Mm-hmm. Is it a bunch of girls? Like who's who's here? Because I also love to crowd work and and if I have a target for for a joke or like the joke is about this type of people like Mexicans or anything, I I want to have certain targets and connect with them because yeah, you, it could be it could make or I wouldn't say it could make or break the joke, but it could be a good moment. It could have a big pop. Of course. And of course. Um, the last question is a champagne question that everybody gets. Mm. And it goes like this. If we were to meet a year from now with a bottle of champagne or sparkling water or whatever you want, yeah. what are we celebrating in 2025 in Mo's life? Ooh, damn. Okay. That's 
That's a sick question, bro. That's, that's a great question. That's all the closer, always. All right. Well, we're definitely keeping it halal, so it's going to be sparkling water, maybe a ginger ale. <laughs> <laughs> what are we celebrating, man? Honestly, just... um. I don't even know. I mean, I'm trying to work on my U.S. paperwork right now, so maybe. But it's not like... I don't even think it's celebration. It's just steps, I guess. Yeah. Um... I don't know, maybe the renewal of my Costco membership. Uh, <laughs> could celebrate that. Some good deals going on at Costco. Uh, celebrating... Uh, just for last Vancouver that you killed. Just for it. last Vancouver, right? Maybe just like, maybe a new album come in. Like, maybe just like more life, man. Celebrate the journey. Celebrate like a year later is always a year funnier. Yeah. So as long as everybody's good and good health, man, that's... I, I realized recently that a lot of the things that I ask for you know, or that I pray for, like, I already have them, you know, so I'm yeah. like, I'm always like praying for like, good opportunities and like, you know, uh, good health. And so I'm just like, I, I think I need to not necessarily stop asking, but just appreciate more of like the, yeah. the good things that we already have. We already have everything. Yeah, we do, man. Like, we just we just smashed your citizenship. <laughs> How you waited fifteen years? And am I not a Canadian citizen? Yeah. No, I'm still a citizen. Right? But it's like it's like all these little things that we work for. It's like just celebrate <laughs> celebrate the journey, you know? Celebrate it all, man. We're here, we're breathing. We got some good company, good people, oh good family. God. So oh. blessings, man. Celebrate growth. What a it could not have been a better way to close the podcast than to refer. I was actually going to open with that, and I forgot that I, I, I welcome Mo into my home, the Stefan Dyer Studios. We're moving stuff around, and I smash my citizenship uh, ceremony diploma that makes me a Canadian citizen. Just He's done. Like glass flying everywhere. <laughs> we had our shoes on, so yeah. we didn't uh, harm anybody. Yeah. Nobody was harmed. Yeah. No dogs or cats or kids or anybody were, were harmed. Yeah, but you are going to get deported soon, <laughs> dude. That's done. Your game is game over. It has a chip on the back of it. And now uh, Justin Trudeau knows that I'm uh, I'm no longer a citizen. <laughs> so I'm going to get deported. That's it. My friends, we've come to the end of the show with Big Mo. I'm so happy, dude. I'm so happy that we got to do this. Me too, Have brother. a great time in your tour. We're, we're actually going to be in Vancouver, not at the same time. Yeah. But... Uh, I hope that this year we get to perform again soon. We will. And we will, man. Let's put it out there. Big Mo, Stefan Dyer on the Stefan Dyer Podcast. Ciao, ciao. Gracias por escuchar el Stefan Dyer Podcast. Arrivederci, my people.